0: welcome to the work alchemy podcast conversations about impact where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact the sweet moments and the challenges i'm your host ursula york i help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Beverly Jones. She works with leaders to spark new engagement and productivity in their teams and helps professionals to grow and thrive in their careers. She's the author of two books. Her latest, Find Your Happy at Work, is a roadmap to help you find more joy, meaning, and success wherever your career path may take you. Before we get started, I'm excited to share an opportunity with you the $1000 marketing plan. Would it be a relief to bring in enough clients to make your big vision possible and not feel icky about your marketing? For just $1000, you'll receive a customized plan for your business that focuses on your impact and clearly maps out your next steps for marketing your most valuable offering. Be in alignment with what you value and the change you want to make in the world. Go to the $1,000marketingplan.com for more information. Click on any button to get started. Don't forget the whole name, the 1000 in digits, marketingplan.com. Click on any button to get your customized marketing plan underway. The link is also in the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Bev. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: I'm excited to be here. I know we'll find lots to talk about. (laughs) I know you.
0: I know we will. So, your latest book, "Find Your Happy at Work," is about flourishing at um, work—kind of a job scenario, if if you will. And how does what you advise apply to entrepreneurs? I just want to get this out of the way, so because we can get stuck and be bored and not flourish too. So, I'm. uh, But tell us how that. How that. Uh, your book really reaches that whole audience.
1: Well, first, I'll mention that I have been fascinated with entrepreneurs long before I became one, and so I've developed a really strong view as a coach and earlier as a leader that people who do well in any kind of situation tend to be entrepreneurial. You know, meaning they take um, responsibility for everything, and you know all the things we know about entrepreneurs. In the book, one of what I address is that a lot of what blocks us, whether we're entrepreneurs or we're on some kind of leadership track are things that are within our control and we don't always feel like it. You know, if we're having, um, trouble, uh, selling things very much, it, um, it's, depends on where we are and what we're doing, whether it's how we manage the voice in our head or our processes. So (laughs) everybody who is taking responsibility for their work life, and that certainly includes entrepreneurs,
0: Mm. can,
1: um, I think, benefit from all of these ideas about how to exercise control and, and find yourself
0: happier and more successful at the same time. I love that description, taking responsibility for your work life, because that just applies across the board as uh, a recipe for moving into a better feeling of, around the work that you're doing. So, yeah, thanks for putting it that way. Yeah. Well, it is um,
1: very difficult sometimes these days to define what work life is. It
0: varies for everybody. <laughs> right. Sometimes
1: it seems right. pretty endless. And so I guess part of taking responsibility for your work life is also sometimes containing it
0: yeah absolutely and i I definitely want to talk with you more about you know remote work and and you know managing your own self-care as we get into the conversation but first i i uh, i talk a lot about impact and having an impact purpose statement for your business and you talk about purpose in the context of of work as a more personal kind of thing and uh can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that taps into how that helps you be um, more happy and productive?
1: Well one of the the three keys uh, to to being engaged and happy at work and if you go through stacks and stacks of, of scholarly literature, it really comes down to three things one of them is purpose or mission it depends on how you define it um, and it varies for everybody. When I've worked with clients, um, and actually, some of the people I've talked with in my own podcast, some of them can say my mission, uh, one of my favorite is a a fellow who said, my mission is to make everybody feel like a somebody. I think that's Mm -hmm. a great purpose in life, and it's very simple. And yet other people have fairly elaborate statements of purpose admission. It includes why they're working, uh, what they're trying to deliver to all the people around them, how it's going to impact their family, how they want to grow. So the the first thing I'd hesitate to say that um, there's an overall um, formula that works for everybody. But I think each of us Um, does well to very regularly decide, why am I doing this? Why am I here and what do I want to do today? Kind of looking at the big picture and looking at the immediate picture and in terms of purpose uh, can be a pretty good habit. And if you do it frequently, you can get to a pretty simple statement of where
0: uh, where you want to go and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important because if you're in a situation where – it gives you direction. It really gives you clarity about how you can show up every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, related to this, and I think this is so much uh, that example you gave about, I want people to feel about the the, the person you mentioned, whose purpose is to um, help people feel like they're somebody. Mm -hmm. Relationships are so key to success. And, um, you know, beyond the obvious sort of networking to get to know and maintain relationships with people who can help you, what you talk about, you mean something much broader than that. And uh, tell us a little bit about the kinds of things that you think go into uh, making relationships so important and what you can do to enhance them. Well, the the first thing is to understand that people
1: are hardwired, human beings are hardwired to need relationships and to flourish when we have them. And when you think about it, going back to ancient ancient times and the hunter and gatherer phase, the, the people who survived were the ones who could work with other people and put a band together, whether it's gathering crops or, or, or chasing prey. If anybody found themselves alone, they didn't survive. Mm. And so the people who evolved with that ability to create an emotional contact and collaborate with other people are the ones who survive. So the, the first thing we have to acknowledge and understand when we're dealing with anybody is that people need people. It's really true. Uh, on the other hand, that same need can translate into um, – a lot of unhappiness because we tend sometimes overreact to other people. We take things personally. We talk too much about ourselves and our eagerness. So I think when you, re, we start thinking about relationships, one of the things you want to think about is um, what are my needs and how does this other person, how does, how do the people around me, how do, whether they're my customers or my colleagues and their family, where are they today um, on the um, question of of needing other people, instead of gauging mutual need and finding ways to create mutually supportive relationships, I mm-hmm. think is the essence of networking, and it's the essence of getting along well in life.
0: Hmm. Well, I like that mutually supportive relationship. yeah, it's a great way to look at it. well, the the other some other aspects that you kind of get into is, the wider the network, the broader your perspective. And that's certainly been my experience that if I pay less attention to kind of a transactional, which I hate, kind of a transactional relationship, even if it's initiated in a networking setting, if I'm just trying to meet people that I can connect with, there's often a lot of surprise in how that comes around and is beneficial, even if it's just to give me another viewpoint in an area that I don't know much about. So yeah. Talk about why that's so important to cultivate. And Well, it's um,
1: overwhelmingly clear from the research. And there are now people who do this kind of research, looking at connections among human beings, but it's overwhelmingly clear that having a broad and a diverse network is very much linked to success. And one of the reasons is simply that if you only hang out with people who are a lot like you, even if there's a huge number of them, if you have a huge list of contacts, but they're all in their same field and from your same background, you're missing a lot of the world. We can only take in so much information at any time. It's it's, it's like there is... Um, a whole truckload of information and we only have enough to room to stuff what we can into the glove (laughs) compartment. So, so we have, we all have filters and our filters are shaped very often around by our, our situation around us and about the people we're with. If you are used to interacting with people who are quite different from you, you pick up ideas, you learn new ways of doing things, you make connection and, and, and developing and being comfortable in, being comfortable a little outside of your comfort zone, I think is one of the key entrepreneurial skills. Yeah. You don't have to do something that you find horribly difficult, but if you're constantly looking to push outside of that comfort level like if you're at an event go up and talk to the most shy person even if you're feeling pretty shy yourself or (laughs) look to the person who seems the least like you those kind of habits can help you um, spot opportunities um, and that might be opportunities for jobs or clients or those things, but it might be opportunities to to take something that you're already doing, a service or a product you're already interested, in, and repurpose it for an entirely different audience because mm-hmm. you've just discovered the audience. So yeah. so so diversity um is extremely important in terms of career mm-hmm. success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, it's kind of the quality of the relationships at your core; those matter more in in your life, and those can make you very comfortable. But if you really want to get out there and and make a splash in your business, <laughs> the having of a variety of people you can connect with is going to help a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm kind of the the flip side, or maybe the dark side of of uh, this topic of relationships is. Uh, something that you mentioned, which is loneliness. And I'm wondering how the remote work environment that we're so much part of now, even continuing as we move out of the pandemic, how is that really playing into your ability to, to do well and to whether it's to build your company or be successful in your role?
1: It's I think going to be complicated and, a problem, not that that means we should move away from re- remote work. I personally love it. And I think <laughs> lots of people do. Yeah. But there is something missing from our lives that in, in an earlier day, we might have had, uh, when you, you have kind of an office family. If you're fortunate enough to have people you work with, you have some, some built in relationships and, the research is still being developed on, on how far can you go remotely. I certainly, um, I, it's easy to connect. I feel connected with you, and we've just been talking for a little while. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, we, we do, I think there are indications that people need human contact. They need to be in the same place. They need to have physical situations where other people around, even if it's just sitting in the same coffee shop. So Mm -hmm. if you're choosing remote work, or if you're a leader um, who's putting together a team, it's important to figure out how are you going to create human relationships and human contact. And I kind of think about networking and relationship building as a, a series of concentric circles, And maybe one of the ways you deal with this if you're opting for remote work is to be conscious of those circles. The most center circle, of course, is those are your closest uh, friends and relationships, the people who are really your core group. And then the next group out there are your best friends who you see pretty regularly. Where things start to get interesting in terms of um, giving you uh, a greater comfort and moving in the world is with maybe the third level, where these are people you just know occasionally, and uh, you maybe bump into them, they're the neighbors you see on the street. And 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 then further out are all the communities that you're part of, you may not even be aware, aware of, they're the geographic communities, you know, where you went to school, where you used to work. So if you're thinking about remote work, if you kind of Look at those circles and say, all right, I'm going to take care that each of my circles is managed in order to flourish. If you're used to having, in the past, having good friends at work and you'd go out to lunch, Mm -hmm. come up to that. Look at opportunities for um Meeting with a group, developing local friends, joining a club, going to a yoga class, whatever it is that's going to give you regular contact, make an effort to build it in your life. If you're working with other people, uh, as most of us are in some way, explore the possibility of getting together sometimes, even if you all want to work remotely, I'm starting to see... Um, Clients getting together on Friday afternoons at a winery. I'm in uh, (laughs) Rappahannock County, Virginia, where the wineries are um, pretty common. So um, people kind of regularly getting together or having a regular coffee hour. They are not colleagues, but maybe they're people who are in similar businesses or industries, or maybe they are colleagues. But figure out for each of those circles of level of contact. How how do you want to build that into your life? We research does suggest that um, loneliness is debilitating and it's widespread. And it was that way even before the pandemic and the the, um, great wave of remote work. And and part of the problem is that very often people feel burnt out or depressed or whatever. And really they're lonely. We don't even, we're so used to loneliness as a culture Hmm. that we're not quick at noticing it
0: in ourselves. Yeah, yeah that's so interesting. I, that was what intrigued me when you you uh, talk about it in the book is it, it's definitely not something you talk about in a work environment, at least in my experience. And um, we so much accept it as part of things because there's so much social isolation, not just from the pandemic, but even you know our, our habits of families not necessarily living close to each other. Um, that sort of thing. It's really come to be part of the culture, as you said. So yeah, that's... And and there's another thing about loneliness.
1: Um, With some things like boredom, uh, when you get bored, it's a signal the way when you're thirsty, it's a signal you need to drink. When you're bored, it's a signal you need to take action, you need to do something. Mm -hmm. But we don't often have a good, clear signal that, oh, I'm lonely. I mean, some people do. And some of us, do some of the time, but lots of people feel like, Oh, I, you know, I don't feel like seeing anybody. I just feeling down. And the response of many people who, as you get them talking, realize they're lonely, but their initial response is often to avoid people.
0: Mm, which so is that it's the if exact you're, opposite of what the solution is.
1: Exactly. We're yeah. just not uh, human beings are not truly functional on this particular thing. We need people, but we don't always need, we need them. So I think it's useful if you're trying to be a supportive friend or colleague to notice if people are starting to isolate themselves and notice when you're thinking, "Ah, oh, I just don't have the energy to do this. I don't want to really see any people. I'm just too tired. Yeah. Those kinds of messages can sometimes be... Um, Mean that you're sort of cut off from people, and mm-hmm. you know, in, in coaching, I when people are saying, oh, "I just don't want to deal with people," I kind of ask them about: how, Are they regularly seeing other people? Are they seeing too many people? Are they not <laughs> seeing people at all? Right. Ask yourself your questions, um, or, or journal about it mm-hmm. uh, on on how you are. In engaging with other people, and 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 just know that just like you manage your schedule, managing your interaction with other people when you're working alone is something that is a very smart thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's those are really important things to consider when you're having that reaction. And it makes me think too of of the habits that we have and how that can really influence how our day goes. And uh, I mean, a habit of, for example, being in touch with people every day if you're working Mm -hmm. remotely or um, just uh, taking a look at your habits and figuring out, is this a good habit or a dysfunctional habit? So how how do you recommend people really identify what are good habits and therefore ones you want to keep or ones that are actually wasting time or draining your energy that you might want to modify or change completely? Well, the, the starting
1: point is to start noticing the habits. Like we all have habits. Like If we go to a meeting or remember we're in college, we go to a class, people sit at the same place every time. That's a <laughs> habit that becomes yeah. really fast or we drive to work on the same path. Habits like this are created to... Um, save your brain space. So, because yeah. you don't have to think about these things, you just do it unconsciously. So, the first thing is to spend a day or two noticing your habits. What do you do um, in sort of an automatic, unconscious way? And and what do you do in an automatic, unconscious way when it um, relates to dealing with other people? You can also look at um, your kind of the processes, the way you do your work, um, we all fall into doing things in the same way and kind of challenging yourself once you've noticed how you're always doing to make it better. That can be fun. Mm-hmm. And it can also lead you to new ways to manage your interaction with other people. So your habits are shaping you more than you know. And and uh, starting by taking note of them. And then once you kind of, Get the idea of finding habits. Look for ones that aren't serving you. It may be that um, you regularly gossip with somebody because that person likes to gossip and is very negative, and it always fills you with kind of a creepy feeling because you don't like to gossip either, but you get drawn into it. That's a negative habit that you've allowed yourself to fall into, and so that may be a habit that you're going to want to break in some way Hmm. Um, as you... Um, are aware of the things you do habitually, you'll notice things that aren't as productive as they might be. And and noticing and then kind of um, trying new ways and and then turning them into habits
0: is how you get past the bad ones. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I noticed too, that creative people in the coaching work I've done, creative people can have a really kind of fractious relationship with habits because they think it limits their creativity. They don't want to be constrained by these uh, things they do. But in actual fact, we all have habits. They Mm -hmm. help with decision fatigue, as you mentioned. So you're not constantly having to make choices about how do I drive to the grocery store kind of thing, occupying your headspace. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. First, I want to share an offer with you, the $1,000 marketing plan. If your body tightens up just thinking about marketing, or if you're not sure what to do next to bring in a steady stream of business, then consider the $1,000 marketing plan. This plan, customized for your business, will center your marketing around the most important thing for your business, your impact. For an investment of $1,000, you'll have a plan that clearly maps out what to do for the next six to 12 months to market your best offering and bring in the income you want. Be in alignment with what you value and the change you want to make in the world. Go to the 1000marketingplan.com and don't forget the whole name, the 1000 in For more information, click on any button to get started. The link is also in the show notes. How do you develop a relationship with habits that serve you as opposed to trying to resist them?
1: One thing I I think makes a lot of sense is to um, choose some area of your your work life where you want to take a change or make a change and start um, examining how you go about it in detail and write it down. I mean, maybe even keep a chart about it. And you will find that um, if you're... um, you're, say you're a creative person and your habit is to um, just work when you feel like it and to walk the dog anytime you want to look at that. If you're, if you, if you have kind of habits and when you work and when you don't work be real with yourself, are you really doing it spontaneously? Are you doing it kind of habitually in a way that doesn't serve you? It, it doesn't matter how spontaneous you want to be. Um, it i mean that can vary for people but it does matter whether you know you're really being spontaneous or you're just not exercising control over the things that you do better for controlling it's you can make a choice once you kind of
0: know where they are mm-hmm. yeah well related to that too is is uh, this idea of ritual and having something that you do regularly and to me using that word there's a kind of sacredness to it and it's beyond habit it's really something that is helping you get in touch with yourself and something bigger than yourself is how i tend to look at ritual
1: yes Um, but yeah go ahead well it's kind of the same as a habit a ritual is kind of the same but it's also kind of the opposite Hmm. uh it's something that you do regularly but a habit you do unconsciously the whole point of managing your habits is setting things up so you can do them productively and you don't right. have to think about it each time but a ritual is something that you do routinely but you do it consciously you do it uh with some awareness and and, I and like that, distinction. that can help you connect with other people if your um um habit um is um to, um, chat every day, that's fine. But if your ritual is to end a conversation by saying, I've really enjoyed talking with you and I'm looking forward to talking to you again, that little closing, that can be a ritual and you can build rituals into your life. And the idea is to kind of experience some meaning whether it's a little bit of gratitude or just, um, a little bit of enjoyment that you've just had a good time, that those little conscious moments can make your life feel much fuller and they don't take any more time, really. It's it's really managing
0: your attention and your awareness. Mm, yeah, so good. Well, in, in the context of mindfulness and just being more conscious about things, one thing I notice is that... Uh, we tend to skip right past small victories because we're heading to big goals. And for me, if I don't pay attention to small victories, I can get kind of worn down by the constant focus on the goal that I'm not quite at yet. And so to t- tell us more about how small victories can really be powerful in, in building our relationship with, with work and success.
1: They are a key to so many things. They're a key to enjoying life while you're working and also a key to getting really good at it. When you try to do something big, it's always boring in the middle. Middles are dull. We like starting <laughs> points where you know anything can happen, yes. and we like the celebrations at the end. Yeah. But if we try to turn uh, our work into this marathon, it we just drag in the middle, we, our enjoyment goes down, our creativity goes down. Mm. And sometimes we just give up. But if you can break anything into a sprint, and really kind of focus and concentrate, and then do something else, take a break, change gears... Um, Have a little celebration that you just really worked hard these 30 minutes doing the things you hate the most, like invoices. (laughs) Um, If you can break things into smaller pieces, you will have um, more productive time during that. But also, you'll feel so much happier at the end. And it really helps you maintain a positive creative state to to not have to grind it out for hour after hour, day after day.
0: Yeah. Well, the other element of that, it makes me think of the meaning making that we do as humans. That's just our, that's just how our brain works as we're always looking for the meaning in things. And it seems like making meaning out of small victories can be really beneficial because you're not just ticking off a box. You're, you're saying, Hey, this is helping me get to a particular goal or, or some other kind of meeting. Does that, what, does that resonate with that- you?
1: Yes, that is a really good statement you just made. I, you, In talking about purpose, we know that feeling connected to purpose really can help us feel good. And mm-hmm. so um, talking, uh, pausing and, and focusing on something related to purpose, that's meaning in the sense that it has value. That it relates to something closer to your core. And anytime you can, uh, create meaning for yourself or for other people. And lots of times meaning involves connections with other people. I, I think you, you transform your life. It doesn't have to be huge things all the time, but just learning to not kind of go on autopilot and to look for ways to, um, be aware of what's happening, and 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 supporting yourself and supporting others. That doesn't that change life? No, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. And it's it shifts a perspective entirely, and then everything you do takes on a bigger meaning. Mm-hmm. Even even the boring stuff.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's like the um, positivity kind of flows from those moments, and and it uh, you're kind of swimming at a higher
0: level. absolutely yeah you mentioned sean acor in your book i uh i actually interviewed his uh, wife for the podcast they're both happiness researchers and it's it's such an interesting area they they make some really great points about um how that mindful attention to things taps into happiness
1: well one of the things i think they've really focused on, or at least he has, if I'm remembering correctly, is that he's helped us understand something critical, which is that happiness leads to success. That All the research suggests that the more positive you are, the more creative, um, the more effective you are. But I think vaguely when I was growing up and first starting working, I kind of had the idea that gosh, if I work really hard, one day I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is not the case. It's it's really the other way around. Working on your happiness from the start of any uh, work phase is going to make you more successful during that phase. And I think he's um, helped us understand that happiness is just one of the critical things that – we manage at work and getting back to your point feeling happy can be an um a side product of finding meaning Mm
0: -hmm. yeah absolutely well on the opposite end of the scale of small victories um which we we talked about a short while ago there's this uh, taking a look at the big picture and I was so intrigued by that mind map that you have in the book of here's how I'm looking at my career and what all the elements are. And um, I think that can be so helpful when you get in the weeds about a particular thing you're focused on, especially if it's not going that well, if you can kind of pull back and get the big picture, it shifts your perspective. Yes.
1: One of the things I've um, noticed in coaching and how coaching works, I do executive coaching, career coaching, and, and how it works is lots of times the coach is simply asking questions and, and the change happens within the client. The, what the questions do is they open up your world. And, and, and lots of times that means looking at the big picture. The man mind map is a, is a hub and spokes kind of map where you can take something complicated. And I illustrate that in the book. But what I'm trying to get at is that the client, or you, the listener, um, because we're human, we tend to focus in on narrow areas and things that are most in front of us. But when we're thinking about opportunities in the future, and what's going to make us happier tomorrow, what we want to do is back off and, and and look at the whole picture. And we may be looking straight ahead at what feels like um, just a big wall. But if we back up, we see there are doors and windows and opportunities. So building the habit of backing up and looking at the big picture, whether um, you're using something like a mind map to help you or whether you're writing in a journal or whether you're talking with friends or whether you're uh, getting a coach sometimes, that's a really good way to stay in a highly creative positive state that the big picture can just keep showing you the opportunities the new possibilities and and the the good things even when you're in a bad period
0: mm. well that that's really important to to remember and even when uh it's just a bump or or you had a bad day it's helpful to really focus on yeah. the bigger picture and also uh you want to build resilience for handling that kind of thing
1: mm-hmm. and, and one of the keys to resilience is to look to the future and look to the wider world and in, in the in the worst of times there are possibilities if you can shift your focus to the future and certainly you don't want to get bag, bogged down in a negative past so mm-hmm. kind of managing what you're looking at and, and looking more widely and, and, and looking down the road can help you get through all kinds of
0: things. Yeah. It makes me think of the role of mindset in success. I mean, I know it's something I've worked with really intensively over many years is making sure I'm paying attention to my inner dialogue and Mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm, uh, being more positive, taking, choosing to take that almost arbitrary uh, direction of looking at something positively versus negatively. Uh, It's so important because I I have such a deeply ingrained work ethic of, you know, work hard and you'll be successful. And that can sometimes get in the way, whereas there's some research that actually flies right in the face of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's something that I've had to work at. I, I am a very optimistic person now in this later phase of life, but I think I was born a pessimist and a warrior. And when oh. I was in school, I would say, if you don't study, you're going to flunk. I was always <laughs> threatening myself with Voice horrible outcomes. And my parents were like, not like that. I don't know where I got it. But uh, finally, I noticed um, in my own life that um I was – beating myself up, and that I didn't have to, that I was making a choice, which was to constantly worry. And I learned to reframe that voice in my head. And um, uh, it's part one of the ways you kind of can shift your mindset is to get rid of the kind of gremlin voices that are always telling you about the awful things and say, No, I have a plan. This is what I got to do. And you can fight back. in your own negativity
0: yeah well this is what made me think of uh of um the research at sean acor i think talks about how we're we're actually more successful when we're happier and more positive instead of if you're successful then you get to be happy and positive so that's exactly right yeah Well, I'm I'm curious about, I mean, this is really um, just my last question before we get into the rapid round. And that is, how is it, how can, what role can leaders play in helping people create a a kind of environment or create situations where people can choose to be happier and more fulfilled? I mean, I think it's important for leaders, obviously, to engage their, their people because of performance and fulfillment is so much better but um what can leaders actively do one thing of course is to uh, model
1: the kind of attitude and lifestyle that is going to produce uh, a, a happy supportive environment and doing things like actually taking vacation taking time off uh taking a break when things aren't going well the leader can do a lot to model the uh, kind of behavior and give permission to the kind of behavior that will that will um, help people be happier. But another simple thing that great leaders seem to know is that just as we're hardwired to need relationships, human beings are hardwired to need to be noticed, to have people listen to them. Mm. And so actually focusing on other people, focusing on the team members, listening to them, giving them a chance to be seen. That is something if a good leader can kind of do that regularly and even methodically, they can really change a culture.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's so important. And I I think it's important, too, the distinction that you made around modeling not just attitude but also lifestyle. So mm-hmm. if you're telling people you don't have to work all the time, then don't work all the time. That's so. right. Take care
1: of yourself, and your yeah. people will take care of themselves and they'll be better.
0: Yeah Absolutely. Well, um, I always end these interviews with a rapid round of three questions about impact. Are you game? Absolutely. <laughs> OK, great. So the first one is, how has your impact? changed you?
1: I think it's made me more aware of all the little things you do in life, the things you say casually, the the every little thing you do can have an impact on other people, um, whether it's somebody you're mentoring or a neighbor or your family. It takes a really long time to learn or at least took me a long time to learn that the places you want to have impact and the um, things you do that you think are going to be important aren't necessarily the keys it's the little things you do in life the little things you do when you're around um, other people that can change their lives And, and sometimes uh you you never know but when you find out it's you're just amazed. So I, <laughs> I true. think I'm much more careful because I, I know I can't predict if I if I'm speaking or spending a day at a university or something. I know that the things I think were important are never going to be the ones. I, I'll get a note from somebody <laughs> talking about a, a casual comment that I don't even remember making, and mm-hmm. that's the thing that had impact. So yeah. I, I just try to, like, be aware, be a little more careful than I might ordinarily be.
0: Mm, that's great. Well, the second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most?
1: Networking. Although I think I was doing it for decades before I knew the term. <laughs> mm-hmm. In fact, when I was a young lawyer at a law firm, um, I, you know, there weren't many women in law firms then, and I thought I had to work all day. And I turned on lunches and dinners and things at the very beginning and until I finally noticed that the successful lawyers were meeting with other people. So there were times I even tried to to limit my um, networking. But later in life, um, I found how wonderful it is to have a broad circle, even of acquaintances. And, And all the opportunities that have been most interesting in my career seem to have kind of floated in from connections that I've made in the past. They weren't close friends. They were just door openers for me. So networking just for the fun of it really helped me later in
0: life. Mm, That's great. Networking for the fun of it isn't a phrase that many people use, but I totally get what you mean. It's really Mm -hmm. just building relationships with people.
1: Yeah. It's hanging out and having fun and being with people. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, the last question is, what's one insight or piece of advice you'd share with someone who's asking themselves, how can I positively affect my environment and the larger world. How can I have impact?
1: I think I would go back to what I just said a bit ago about listening. If you want to do something that can change your immediate environment around you, um, if if you just make an effort, um, sometimes I, I've seen clients like. Try three times a day, say, uh, say they can't quit work until three times a day they found an opportunity to, to really kind of listen to somebody mm. in a, in a deeper, more meaningful way. Um, it's worth trying. It can be
0: transformative. So true. So true. Well, Bev, thank you so much for being here and for sharing all these many ways that you can approach what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. We spend so much time at work and making it fulfilling and meaningful is so valuable. So thank you for sharing these ideas with us. And there's more of them in your book. There's 50 of them, uh, actually. So Uh I encourage people to to have a look at the book. Um, Yeah. So thank you for being
1: here. Well, it was a great pleasure, and uh, thank you for talking about my book, Find Your Happy at Work. I'm uh, (laughs) very enthusiastic about this one. Great. Well, tell us how people can get in touch with you and where they can find your book. Well, of course, the book is uh, – you can order through – all the places. I mean, at Walmart and all kinds of places are are selling books online now. Mm-hmm. In, in addition to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and those places, but uh, also you can order it um, from your local bookstore, your independent bookstore, and um, so it's it's pretty available. Then um, on my website, uh, Clear Ways Consulting. Clearways with an S, clearwaysconsulting.com, dot com. That has more information about the book and and um, you know blog posts and things that'll uh, uh, give you um, more information about the kind of things that I talk about in the book.
0: Great, and people can get in touch with you through your website. Is that the um, best way.
1: They, uh, I'm going to give you my email. It's Beverly Jones at me.com. Uh, and I'm very active on social media and on Twitter. Um, it's and and it's Beverly E Jones at Beverly E Jones.
0: Okay, and great. that's
1: the same on in Instagram. So that's a good starting
0: point. Great. Okay. Thank you. And we'll make sure that gets into the show notes as well. So um, thank you. Great to know. Well, I've loved being here. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And thank you Bev, for the work you're doing in the world. And
1: same to you. I think we each just, you know, do a little something, right?
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Join me for more episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and help us spread the word, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. To discover more about your impact, schedule a business impact assessment, one-on-one with me, 60 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Go to workalchemy.com BIA to schedule your business impact assessment. This podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Cherokee, Tuscarora, Catawba, and Waccamaw people.